At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, a Wednesday show for you. Reed Wallach of BetSided will join us. We'll talk some NBA draft, NBA offseason. He's a, he's a good NBA better. He's a big Nets fan, so he covers the NBA, does a good job with that. We'll uh, we'll dive into some NBA draft as we are just hours away. Boy, it really snuck up on us because, at least it snuck up on me, just because, I don't know if it's because the Mets and Yankees are doing so well and we're just immersed in that every day. And, you know, the Rangers made a run and they went to game six of the conference finals. They, their season ended, what, a couple weeks ago. NBA playoffs, NBA finals just wrapped up. It feels like it just got sprung up on us. So uh, playing a little catch-up here. We'll get to the baseball here in a second. Just quickly on the NBA, though. There's been a move on Bonchero, the uh, the big man from Duke. 20-1, to 1, you know, a week ago, four or five days ago. Steadily climbing up. 8-1, to 7-1. to 1. Now he's down to 2-1 to 1 to be the number one pick overall to go to the Magic uh, here at Bet Rivers. So Jabari Smith still the favorite, minus 200. Holmgren's still in the mix. He's also right around plus 200. These num- numbers seem to fluctuate, you know, minute to minute, hour to hour here uh, with the drafting. You never know. You know, it's one thing if a, a football game moves or a basketball game moves. Maybe people betting it. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's, you know, a, a sharp group has an opinion on the game. With the draft stuff, NBA, NFL, when you see a move like that, you got to wonder if it's information-based. Uh, and then you wonder if it's, you know, if it's a smoke signal, if it's somebody who thinks they have information that they don't. So it's definitely a, a cat and mouse game. Uh, trying to figure out, you know, who goes where. I was texting with Steve Cerruti, who has been on this show before. He's a huge Orlando Magic fan. He's a producer for 
Bill Simmons podcast and he, uh, Ryan Rosillo's podcast. He's a huge Orlando Magic fan, and he's uh, he's locked in with the Magic. He's a, look, he he follows it as closely as anybody. I don't know if he gets intel from you know his guys there at the Ringer, but he said the Magic are as tight-lipped as anybody. So the idea that anybody would know anything a couple of days before the draft would be unusual. But he seems to think it's going to be Jabari. I kind of think it's going to be Jabari. Not sure what this move about with Palo is, um, but it's something to monitor. So in some order here, the top three, it's going to be Jabari, Palo, and Holmgren from Gonzaga, who's uh, about 7'3 and 100 pounds. I mean, he's a, a strange. He's got a ton of talent, a ton of ability. And I guess the kid next year coming out uh, from France, Webayama, I might be pronouncing that right. I might not be pronouncing that right. It's about, it's a, I'm in the ballpark. Anyway, he is supposedly just an uber talent. Like these teams are going to draft this year based on the fact that, hey, we don't want anyone. If we're bad this year, we don't want anyone that's going to help us win games just so we can have a better chance of picking this kid next year. So that's something to keep an eye on. And again, the top three or the top three in whatever order. My guess would be Jabari, Holm, uh, yeah, Holmgren at Tube. Because OKC, look, they, they don't care. They just want the highest upside. They got 9 million picks to to, uh, to work with here. And they're one of these teams. You know what? We don't want we don't want anyone that's going to help us win next year. If we, we got to let this kid gain some weight and marinate, you know what? We're trying to be good. We're not even trying to be good. We're trying to be great three or four years from now. We're just going to stockpile assets, swing for the fences, sort of like the Sixers process, but with better PR, really, and maybe some more discipline. And, you know, people like Presti, the, the Thunder GM, more than people – uh, like Tanky, who was a little de divisive, uh, especially among the basketball community. And he was just more outspoken about the fact that they were tanking, which, which um, you know, sometimes you're honest, it's the worst thing. Sometimes being honest is the best thing. Sometimes being honest is the worst thing. Sometimes it's better uh, better to not say the silent part out loud and just, you know, you get more of a break here, which, uh, which the Thunder and, and their sort of tanking process has gotten. No, you know, nobody kills them for tanking, but... In some order, it's going to be those big three. Then the draft starts with the Kings. Who the hell knows what the Kings are ever going to do? Ivy would make the most sense there. But again, is Ivy a perfect fit with Fox? Probably not. So, you know, who knows? Keegan Murray, could they trade down? The Knicks picking at 11. Uh, boy, this rumor, this makes no sense to me. I was reading this this morning. There's a rumor that Obi Toppin, they could trade the 11th pick and Obi Toppin for Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, come on. They can't. I mean, I, that I have a hard time believing. Brogdon's a nice player. But he's always hurt, and he is not a franchise-changing player. Plus, he's, I don't want to say older, because he was, what, 2016 draft season? What, 26, 27? But still, Toppin's a guy you picked pretty high. He's an exciting player. I think he's got his limitations as a player. Uh, but, I, you know, I, st I would not be including the pick. You need lottery tickets if you're the Knicks. If you're the Knicks. Toppin, you know, he's not going to be a great player. He's got some things that will keep him from being that great player, like defense and you know, he's an exciting player, but I, I would not be giving him away in the 11th pick for a guy like Brogdon, who's a, he's an okay player. I even, you know, he's not an all-star. Even when he plays, he's not an all-star. He's a good player. Good, solid, you know, B-minus type player, but that's that's one I'm not going to do. And, you know, you wonder if Thibodeau and, and World Wide West here are starting to feel the pressure that the clock is ticking. I think if Thibodeau got off to a bad start, if the Knicks got off to a bad start, and I don't know that it's fair, but I don't know that it's unfair. If the Knicks got off to a bad start, Thibodeau would be gone if they're 10 and 18 or something. Uh, you know, 18 and 30 is Thibodeau gone middle of the year? You know, 40% through the year is Thibodeau with a bad start gone? 
Did the Knicks go for another regime change? Now, Thibodeau's only been here a couple years, and one of them, he's a four seed. Last year, okay, he took a step back, but we, we knew they took a step back. I didn't love the Thibodeau hire to begin with. I think he's, you know, kind of an old school, uh, you know, not doesn't develop the players well. He's playing, plays, he runs these veterans into the ground, doesn't develop the young players. So I get not loving Thibodeau, but uh, just strange here. You wonder if the Knicks are trying to accelerate the rebuild, which is always what you worry about. When you have people who are threatened by their by you know, losing their job, think of uh, Stan Van Gundy, his last couple years with the Pistons, where he's like, all right, I'll just go all in here for Blake Griffin, which made no sense. They weren't a title contender. It was like, you know what? If it works, I keep my job. If it doesn't, you know what? I'm going to be fired anyway, so might as well just throw assets. I'm not going to be here to enjoy the assets, the draft pick, so might as well mortgage the future because uh, I'm not going to be here anyway, and if it doesn't work out, it's somebody else's problem. So that's always a very dangerous thing uh, for a regime, for a franchise. So the Knicks, oh boy, that, that trade would make no sense to me. I don't know who you pick at 11, whether it's Johnny Davis, Duran from Memphis. They could certainly use a big man. Uh, you can't really count on Mitchell Robinson. Uh, they just need, like I said the other day, you just need to identify a star and swing for the fences and bring somebody in here that's going to make all-star teams and turn your team around. Like I know it's not easy to say and uh, everyone's looking for that, but I, I, this idea that you could trade the 11th pick and throw in top and to get Malcolm Brogdon, that one makes no sense to me. I'd be shocked if the Knicks did that, but look, it's the Knicks, so you can never be too surprised by anything. Uh, we talked about Kyrie and the Knicks, uh, Kyrie and the Nets the other day, and the Knicks for that matter, um, being at an impasse. I mean, what, what, what else is new? Kyrie's not happy. This team's not happy. The Nets, the Nets and, the, and Kyrie Irving and Simmons and Harden, they're just, these guys are in the news constantly. It just drives you nuts. I would imagine Irving needs the Nets. The Nets need Irving. I don't think anything happens there. And again, his trade value is non-existent. He's 30. He's always hurt. He's always dealing with social justice or vaccines. There's always something keeping him from playing basketball. I know he's incredibly talented, but I can't see the Nets flipping him for somebody of equal value. And if you're not going to flip him for somebody of equal value, you can't really trade him. So they're kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. So I do think Irvin will be back. You can't give him five, six years max contract, which is what he's going to want. You can't do that just because you can't trust him. And he's you know, older now. He's in his 30s. He's 30. So uh, we'll see what happens there. My guess is some sort of compromise that he's back with the Nets. Maybe it's a shorter deal. We'll uh, we'll talk to Reed Walk about that in a few minutes and we'll get to all the draft stuff with him. So that's the NBA draft here a uh, day or so away. And I guess that'll just bring us to the baseball. The Yankees actually lose for the, uh, boy, second time in third games. A little bit of a slump. Yankees are going to hit a regression here. Yankees are really good. The division's not even, it's not even worth talking about. I don't, they're, they're, this is not going to get even within five games, I wouldn't think, at any point. They're not going to be threatened. They're not going to lose the division. The Yankees are gone in the AL East, which, you know, in a weird way, it's going to, unless you're into them beating the 114 wins from the Mariners or break, breaking the 116 win record mark, which would be a lot of fun. Maybe people will be into it. Uh, unless you're into that, they're going to win the division. There's, It's going to be kind of a, a summer where you know what? Make sure nobody gets hurt. We'll keep an eye on Judge for the MVP. We'll see what they do with the trade deadline. But day to day, look, day to day betting makes everything fun. And they'll have games today. They have a game today. Montgomery going against Baz. Yankees minus 135 favorites here at Bet Rivers. Uh, total is eight. Baz is a really good pitcher, so I would actually look towards the under there with the Rays. Even though they hit a bunch of home runs last night, they are dealing with a beat-up offense, so I would look for the under there. Uh, Rays, uh, Baz, and Montgomery going tonight. Uh, there's just not going to be a lot of juice day-to-day -day other than our bets. And like I said, trade targets, trade deadline, judge. 
how many home runs he's going to hit, how many games the Yankees are going to win. But in terms of a pennant race, there is no pennant race. It's over. It's over. The Yankees are gone. None of these teams are catching them. Uh, it's just too many games. The Yankees are too good. And like I said, they're going to come back to the pack a little bit. I mean, look, they're on pace to win, I think, 119, 120 games. I mean, that's just – that. That's this team is, is is good, but this team, look, Gallo, Hicks have been issues. Kiner Falefa is okay, but he doesn't give you anything in terms of offense. He's okay defensively. You know, they found money here with Trevino, but it's not that great team. Again, people comparing this to the 98 team. That 98 team had no holes up and down the roster, up and down the lineup. This team's got a few holes, whether it's when Chapman comes back, a, a few guys in the lineup. So Yankees are going to lose some games here. Does it matter? No. I mean, what, what's happened here is uh, they've set up a situation where there's going to be a lot of expectations come October. There's going to be a lot of pressure to get back to a World Series. And that's what they're going to be judged on. Because if they sit here, they win 108 games, 112 games, whatever they win. And you lose, especially if you lose before the World Series, it's going to be a disaster. And it's going to be a very painful exit uh, if the Yankees don't at least get to a World Series. And you might be reaching a point where, hey, it's not good enough just to get there. you got to win it. So uh, that's the Yankees. Lost last night. Paredes hits three home runs off Cortez. Cortez. Cortez got shaken up here, got beaten up here two out of the last three starts. You wouldn't worry about that. These guys are all going to have rough moments. Cole's had his moments. Cortez had his moments. I mean, Yankee fans are being spoiled a little bit by how good this pitching has been. So, uh, bad start for Cortez. Wouldn't worry too much about that. It's going to happen. Mets lose to the Astros. We told you we like the Astros. These, these kind of back-end pitchers for the Mets. Carrasco going today. Trevor Williams going last night. You can get away with these kind of fourth, fifth starter guys against the Nationals, against the Marlins, against the Dimebacks. Going into Houston, getting away with these guys against the Astros is a different story. So uh, Astros minus 125 favorites here at Bet Rivers as Carrasco takes the mound here uh, for the Mets. And again, the Mets lose, but so what? Because the, the Braves lose, the Phillies lose. So when you have a five-and-a-half game lead, uh, you can trade ground until the, the season ends and you're in good shape. So as long as you lose, look, the idea is to win. Obviously, you want to win, but uh, you have a night where you lose and the Braves lose. That's an okay night. That's the uh, the luxury of having a big lead. You don't have to win every night. As long as you don't lose ground, uh, that's that's why a five-and-a-half game lead is hard to erase because you're, you know, the Braves, they've won 14 in a row, but since then, they've, what, lost three out of five? So... It's hard to win every night. It's hard to make up games. So Mets don't lose any ground there in action. Afternoon game, like I said, Carrasco is going against Garcia. Uh, Astros minus 125, total 8.5. I don't know that I bet against the Mets back-to-back -back days at any point during this baseball season. Uh, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm, I'm going to take the Astros again for this afternoon game. Like I said, I just think this is a rough, that's a rough lineup to throw Carlos Carrasco against. Same thing for Trevor Williams. You can get away with these fringe guys against some of these lineups in the National League, like, like I mentioned, the Nationals, or if you play the Pirates, or uh, some of these NL Central teams, the Brewers. But this is not the Brewers. This is still Bregman and Altuve and Alvarez. This is a really good lineup, and this might be a rough afternoon for Carrasco. So I like the Astros. I like the under eight in Yankees-Rays. Uh, those are the picks for this afternoon game. If you're looking for a sort of a prop, over four and a half team total for the Astros. Like I said, I just think Carrasco is going to have a tough time in that building against that lineup. And, uh, boy, Yankees raise is down to seven. It was eight when I logged in. So Yankees raise is down to seven. I will go under the seven. I still think that's a good bet. And, yeah, those would be the two picks. And I guess the team total here for the Astros over four and a half. So 
Those are the picks. Yankees lose, not a big deal. Mets lose, also not a big deal because you got a five and a half game lead. So tough part of the schedule where you got the Astros a couple times, you got the Marlins, but after that, and I don't include the Marlins in that, it's more the Astros part of that that's difficult. Um, but after that, once July 1st hits, it's a lot of Rangers, it's a lot of Reds, the schedule gets easier. As the Braves now have to deal with the Giants this week, the Dodgers, their schedule does get a little tougher after they beat up on a bunch of cupcakes the last couple weeks. So that's the baseball. Scherzer threw a rehab game. Sounds like no setbacks, and he will be good to go Sunday. That is, of course, good news. We're still waiting on word for DeGrom. My goodness, can DeGrom ever just pitch? Not even pitching a major league game, not even pitching a rehab game, just face batters. It's not even facing batters. It's still bullpens. It's Look, you have the luxury of being able to take your time, so uh, he is certainly taking his time, and you just hope once he's back, he stays back, and he's healthy, and he's DeGrom once again. So Scherzer back Sunday, you would think, you would hope, and we still wait on word with Scherzer. But coming up next, Reed Wallach, who will the next, who will the Knicks draft? Who should they draft? Where is their value here in terms of betting the draft? Uh, we'll probably get into some futures for next year too with Reed. So that is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to two hundred and fifty dollars when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little NBA offseason, a little NBA draft. I got some catching up to do. And to help me catch up, somebody I've wanted to have on for a while. He is the senior editor of BetSided, uh, a big Nets fan, big NBA fan. It's great with all the draft stuff. So excited for this one. It is Reed Wallach. Reed, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, no, thank you for having me. This is a long time coming. And, um, you know, thank you for the flattering introduction. I'm pumped to be on. And NBA, NBA draft, any draft, that's like my bread and butter. Like just staring at information and trying to make valuable bets. That's like, it's like a puzzle piece and trying to find the correct pieces that fit in. That's like what I love to do. So, you know, I'm pumped to be on happy to talk about it. So we're like a day before the draft here. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, I guess I'll phrase it this way. What are you fairly sure that you know here a day before? <laughs> I'm fairly sure that the top pick is still undecided, at least to like the public. Uh, there's not a lot of knowns in this draft because the top is being controlled by two teams that are, are historically tight-lipped in the Magic and Thunder. They are always throwing out smoke screens. They're always making things difficult. You had the GM of the Magic come out and basically like put like puff his chest out, like you guys know nothing, and my front office is great at being like sneaky and not projecting anything. And Oklahoma City, obviously, they have a million picks. They're rumored to be interested in Jay and Ivy. I think that's a maybe a smoke screen or like a trade-up thing, not at number two. But about Orlando, I think it's interesting, the movement that's been going on here. So it started with, they get the number one pick, and it seems like it's Jabari. But everything we know, and just like I said, Weltman comes out and says how nobody knows anything about what we're doing. But Jabari Smith was the favorite, got bet out to like minus 400. Now he's back out to minus 255. So nobody knows anything, but it's Jabari Smith. Okay, so that's that's start, that's step one. Step two is Paolo Bancaro gets just absolutely torpedoed over the weekend. And that goes right in line with Weltman again saying, nobody knows what we're doing. So he also, Paolo, it seems like more like it was a move 
to make him more within range because it isn't decided yet. But I think if Paolo was the pick, he would have been the favorite by now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it feels like yeah. the train stopped and it felt like he got to plus 200-ish, maybe like plus 175 at some books, and then it stopped and it went back to Jabari. So that leads me to the third pick and kind of where I'm thinking of adding a little bit more today. Um, I still think Chet fits a lot of what Orlando has done historically. I think he fits this uh, secretive model where no one's really talking about him. People are saying he doesn't want to be there. I saw rumors he hasn't shared medicals, but now he has shared medicals. His high school teammate and arguably like best friend, people say Jalen Suggs was the pick last year. Um, I think Chet Holmgren is still live for this pick. I'm kind of leaning towards, though, building up a non-Jabari Smith pick bet and just taking both Paolo and Chet and taking a shot there. I think there's still upside of taking either at plus money. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Steve Cerruti, but he's a the Ringer producer, produces yeah. Bill Simmons' pod. I, I've had him on before, and I was texting with him. He's like, look, I still think it's Jabari, but Orlando is typically, like you said, tight-lipped. You know, It's very uncharacteristic that a day or two before the draft year, things are going to leak. Um, is it true, though, Boncaro has not visited Orlando for a workout? Is that true? Again, there's so much confusion around this stuff because I saw that Chet didn't share his medicals, and of course – Player that skinny, player like built like that, people are concerned about like his heart issues and stuff. But then I saw another report that he did, and he spent the entire weekend there with the team. So like, people are saying like Chet might be angling to get to OKC, but like again, we don't know where this stuff is coming from. I heard Bancaro, or I heard I read that Bancaro was there and he did work out with the team. Um, and then I saw that he doesn't think he's gonna be the pick, so he didn't go to the workout. That makes like. Let's just think about that logically. Like, why would you not work out for the number one? Like, that just makes no sense. What I do think is fascinating, though, and I think might be the most connected part of this Bancaro steam, is Houston of the top three, they have the leakiest front office. Last year, it was widely assumed that Jalen Green was going to be the number two pick. Uh, they tipped their hand early. Everyone said Evan Mobley should probably be the pick, but Jalen Green was, like, minus a billion. So Jalen Green was the pick there. And it seems like something similar is happening here where it's well known now that Bancaro is at the top of Houston's board. But now all of a sudden, OKC might be interested in Bancaro. So what is that saying about, you know, are they trying to maybe leverage Houston and move up an adjacent Tatum-Markel Fultz move? Ironically, Orlando's involved in this on the other end. And Orlando can move back and get either Jabari or Chet, and they're cool with whoever OKC doesn't take. And Houston gets their guy, and they give up some extra assets. They did just get another first-rounder. So... I think that's something interesting to keep an eye on, maybe kind of compiling on with this uh, Bancaro team. KOC from the ringer, Kevin O'Connor, he also mentioned something similar to that. If we were just forgetting odds right now, just say, you know what, they're all the same odds, they're all even money or whatever, who would you say is the number one pick? Paolo. Really? Okay. I'd probably say Paolo, but now I'm looking at Chet, though, because my – Portfolio. I kind of jumbled up. I went Chet and Palo early, and then I bought some Jabari early before he got steamed. I should have came back. So I'm a little all over the place, but I'm looking at just longest odds at this point. I, I don't think it's going to be Jabari. I know everyone keep it's like maybe I'm galaxy braining this, but I think there's too many people saying it's going to be Jabari for all the talk for it not to be or for it to be at this point. I think that Bancaro has a lot of momentum. He, to me, makes the most sense. 
but Chet just fits their historical profile. I think Jabari's the third best fit on their team, and I love I love all three of them, but I think Jabari fits the worst of the three, in my opinion. Yeah, it's always interesting when you're a bad team. Do you worry about the fit? You just say, you know what, I'm going to get the best. I need a franchise changer. Like, we'll get to the Knicks here in a minute. If I'm the Knicks, I'm not thinking about fit. I know you got to build a team, and it's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team. But at some point, like, when you're a bad team, like, we, we know what the NBA is about. It's about having, you know, those top eight guys, yeah. top you know, all NBA guys that, that change your life. And, you know, you sit here and you're worried about fit. It's like, just get me uh forget horses. You need a thoroughbred if you're some of these bad teams. So it doesn't mean you're going to pick right. But I think that's, that's the approach I would have if I was a bad team. Get somebody who's going to come in here and, and really change my franchise. Yeah, 100% agree. And uh, again, I just think I love all three of them, but I just, I think Orlando has a pretty nice core and they could actually, I think Chet obviously is the anchor of their defense, but also Bancaro gives them like, Bancaro to me has probably the most upside as like a number one option because he's a very good playmaker. Jabari's like the more natural shooter and stuff. And again, I'm not like trying to talk bad about Jabari Smith. I just think that if you're taking a swing, I think that Chet obviously to me has the highest ceiling because I mean like, what is that? That is just like, like he is like, <laughs> like, what does he do? You know, you got the seven foot guy who he could touch the sky and, you know, he could anchor in defense, but he's also really skinny. He has his question mark. So or Bancaro, who to me is the most polished of the three right now. Um, so if like these three are going to go the top three in some order, we would think, barring some uh, you know huge curveball here. So that would leave the draft to start at four with the Kings. Figuring out what the Kings would do, it's like <laughs> I mean I don't even know. There's a punchline in there somewhere. What do you think the Kings do? Ivy Fox is not an ideal mix, an ideal fit. You wouldn't think. But again, you maybe you just worry about the best player. What do you think the Kings are thinking, or is that just a, a kind of a fool's errand? We've seen Murray take some steam for the fourth pick. Where do you think, with the draft starting at four, really, where do you think the Kings are thinking? Yeah, I, I played some Murray, like, those odds don't exist anymore. I think that if the Kings do keep the pick, I'm seeing more mockers, like, doing their final mocks or putting in Ivy at four, whether it is the Kings or it's a team they're trading with. I personally think that the Kings are going to ask for the moon and they're not going to get it and they're going to pigeonhole themselves into four. Maybe they just take the surefire pick in their opinion, Ivy, but he hasn't worked out for them. That hasn't stopped them before. I'm not the biggest Keegan Murray guy, but there's been reports that both the new head coach, Mike Brown, who had a great press conference yesterday, introductory press conference, and uh, Vivek ran, I don't even know how to say his last name, but Vivek, their uh, owner, have both signed off on Murray, and they view him very highly as a guy. This is a team that wants to make the playoffs I just – I don't really see them trying to take – like, bet, like they just traded Halliburton. Why are they now going to go back with Ivy? I think that they look more for Murray. I've seen a lot of talk – if people are moving up, um, it does seem like Ivy is the play. I saw that maybe the Spurs or Pacers are looking to move up for a more Murray uh, pick. So, it seems like it's a two-horse race there between Murray and Ivy. Kind of a no play for me, though. I guess I'll lean – I, I, it's tough, man. This because you're you're expecting rational outcomes, which would be Ivy, because I don't rate Murray very highly. But like, it's the Kings, and there's steam that they'll just take Murray because they want to make the playoffs, and Murray's probably the one of the more pro-ready guys that could come in and be a rotation player. So, I think for right now, it's a stay away on four. I, I wouldn't look for anything here. I I think that the value on Murray has gone, and it's over with now. Would Murray, I mean, I watched him in college a little bit, Iowa. He seemed kind of matchup proof. I like him as a player, but, uh, you know, it, would him and Sabonis, would they kind of clash? I don't know that those two make sense together, do they? Uh, Murray, could, Murray could space the floor a little bit. Again, I don't love the defense there. 
And again, if you're looking just to build a roster, like, do you just take Ivy and just say, look, we'll figure it out? But I don't know. Again, you're you're asking for rational outcomes with the Kings. So kind of anything's on the table. But I do think there's kind of three outcomes. The Kings keep it and they take either Ivy or Murray or they trade the pick and someone is likely taking Ivy. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from the Kings. Let's forget these irrational teams that we don't know what they're <laughs> going to do. Sometimes they can be irresponsible. Let's go to somebody a little more uh, trustworthy, a little steadier. Let's talk about what the Knicks are going to do. Uh, <laughs> what? Let's. I guess I'll make it a two-pronged question. What do you think the Knicks will do? What do you think the Knicks should do? Take it however way you want to take it. Yeah, it seems like the Knicks are really trying to gear up for a move to get a veteran point guard. First of all, it seems like every pick between 4 and 14 is up for grabs here. Um, besides 14, 4 through 13 is up for grabs. Everyone is interested in trading, getting a veteran point guard. It seems like Malcolm Brogdon is going to be moved one way or another. Do the Knicks, you know, does it become a three-team deal for the Pacers where they're trying to move up to get that Kings pick at 4? Do the Knicks, I mean... Do you give up like 11 and one of those young guys to uh, get up to six so you could get a Ben Matherin? I don't know. Or do you go the other way and you trade 11 and someone else for Malcolm Brogdon to get a more proven piece? You know, that's kind of what they're looking for. I don't think they're going to get Brunson. I definitely don't think they're going to get Kyrie. So what do you do? I've seen a lot of people connecting them to A.J. Griffin um, at 11. A lot of connections there. Uh, Griffin. Little poor on tape defensively, but I'm still pretty high on him. Guy's a bucket getter. I think he's going to be a very solid pro. And look, I don't think the Knicks need to make panic moves or anything. They have a bunch of solid role players. It feels like they're a guy away from really contending. Does Brogdon really push you over the edge, though? Like, are you going to overpay for Malcolm Brogdon to get, like, maybe in the play-in game, maybe just outside of it? I don't know if that's the answer. Um, Of course, Donovan Mitchell, you never know what's going to happen with him. I personally think the Knicks should probably stand pat, take another uh, guy, whether it's Jalen Duran, Johnny Davis, A.J. Griffin. Um, Jeremy Sohan isn't a bad pick either. I think that staying pat is probably the more prudent move. I don't think they need to get super aggressive at the draft. Yeah, you basically— Was it the sexiest answer? But, like, I just— No, I I, I agree. The Knicks need to— I know that this. I think they overachieved two years ago, and then 100%. this was more of where their bar is. Probably a fringe playoff team, and you ultimately—it's more the Randall issue than like this team needs another piece. It's more how do we reconfigure the max salary slots? Because to me, R.J. Barrett is a key piece. I'm not trying to move the Obi Toppins, the Emmanuel Quickly's to get guys on the wrong timeline of that. You know what I mean? I think Randall's on the wrong timeline, not R.J. Yeah, I opened the show addressing the rumor uh, about Brogdon and the eleven. The, the rumor was the 11th pick and top it for Brogdon. You can't do that if you're the Knicks. Yeah, Brogdon doesn't do anything for up. you. It's a lot to give up. And where, where, like you said, where does it bring you? Your up, your upside is what the, the upper echelon of playing team. Because you look around, the Nets are certainly ahead of you, for, even with all their issues. The Heat, the Sixers. Um, you know, the Bucks are probably the, the favorite, co-favorite. Uh, the Celtics, mm-hmm. the Raptors are going to be better. I mean, you're not really in the mix here, even with Brogdon. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it's frustrating to kind of build the long way and just keep piling up picks, but you need your lottery tickets here. And the 11th pick, it's not a great lottery ticket, but we've seen, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, Giannis, Jokic down in the 40s. Even Curry wasn't a top five pick. I just think you need to, you know, keep your your lottery tickets here in your pocket and sort of swing for a young superstar. And we know Brogdon, he's a decent, he's a pretty good player. He's hurt a lot, 
but that, that's not what the Knicks need. I think the up the flip side of that, and maybe you can answer this better. Maybe this is what I should ask you. Mm. Do you think the noose is tightening for Thibodeau in this sort of regime with World Wide West where they sense that ownership, Dolan's getting impatient, and they need to do something this year? Like if they miss the playoffs, would they be out? Um, you know, we saw Stan Van Gundy trade for Blake's, Blake Griffin saying, you know what, if I miss the playoffs this year, I'm done anyway, so I'm going to go all in. Sort of like a quarter animal is the most dangerous animal. Yeah. Do you think that's an, an aspect of this? Yeah, I, I think, again, this is a front office. I mean, we've heard that they're looking to get super aggressive trying to make moves. It seems like they're kind of falling into that Nixian trap again. Yeah. And I, I guess, again, I'm trying to count on rational thinking, not necessarily, but um, – I know that there's props out for like who the Knicks are going to take if they keep their pick. Their Nick, the Knicks' first pick, again, they might trade the pick, so these odds might not matter. But there is a lot of A.J. Griffin steam going um, their way, a lot of connections there, like I said. So I do think that um, if you want to take a shot, it's not like – I think it might be, even be the shortest number. But A.J. Griffin, um, if his medicals check out, super highly touted prospect, was kind of – in a weird role at Duke, it felt a little bit like Cam Reddishy, who ironically got traded to the Knicks this offseason. But it felt like Cam Reddish, a guy who has a lot of potential, but also was in the wrong system for him to really shine. Um, if his medical is checked out, I think the Knicks could really be interested in him at 11, especially based on what I'm reading heading into the final, you know, 36 hours before the draft. Anything else? Anything else you like for bets wise? Anything else you're sort of as we get to the second half of the draft? I don't, not that we need to go through every pick, but anything else you're kind of convinced <clears throat> of? Um, yes. I saw you tweeting so, yesterday. Was it Williams that you think is going to go to the Cavs? I, I know you yeah. were. Uh, yeah. So you take last that away. year, last year, if you remember, Scotty Barnes got some late steam, and Jalen Williams hit again. I'm telling you this now, and I know that these odds could be kind of blown out of proportion very fast. Um, so obviously beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I think Jalen Williams, he's someone who's seen his draft prop drop from, I believe, 23 and a half. He's down all the way to 16 and a half, and it's juiced to the under. There is a ton of steam going this way. Um, killed it at the combine, huge riser. Um, I got in, I missed the early, early numbers, but I got in at 18 and a half, and then I also sprinkled on him. He's being mocked a lot, and again, you gotta take shots here. He was 12 to 1 to go to the Cavs. I think anything north of 10 to 1 to go specifically to the Cavs at 14 uh, fits exactly what the Cavs are looking for. They've been linked to Oje Abaji a lot. I actually think Abaji could be a faller in the draft. I think he could go closer, you know, over his draft prop. That's a plus money prop also. Um, this is a team that's been linked to Usman Diang, who has been kind of soaring upwards and might not make it there. Jalen Williams is someone that I think could really, really fly. He's going to be in the green room tomorrow night. Um, 16 and a half is probably the last number I would bet, though. Atlanta's been linked to him a ton. So I like his under. Of course, it's not as good of a number. So, like, you know, I apologize. I'm not trying to, like, brag. I'm trying to give as, you know, updated yeah. time as possible. But if you want a long shot, he's someone I think that could get um, to Cleveland at 14. And then also, as the top 10 goes, I took Jalen Duran over 10 and a half. Again, you got to try and mock out this draft. Like, who's going to be mocked where? And to me, there's one, one maybe two spots for Duran in the top 10. It is Portland at seven, which I actually think ends up getting traded, and he just ends up not being the pick. Like, he'll be, like, kind of third or fourth on their board. And then the Spurs at nine. And the Spurs are always a wild card. Last year, we saw him take Josh Primo, who was, like, a French first-round prospect. They took him very, very early. Um 
and groupthink is saying, well, the Spurs are valuing a big and they need like a Jakob Pertl replacement. So let's take Duran. And this isn't a knock on Duran. I actually like Duran a lot, but we're just kind of saying it and everyone's like, yeah, Duran makes sense. Let's take Duran. But what about like the Usman Diangs who's been flying up the boards or the Jeremy Sohans um, or like maybe a falling or a falling guard like Shaden Sharp? Like we don't know what the Spurs are doing. So I'll take the variance there and i'll take anything below like minus 120 it's a little bit of juice but like if you could find a during a cheap number to go over 10 and a half i don't think washington's a candidate for him if these picks are being traded i think duran is the one who slides down so duran over um and again like jalen williams could sneaky go to the spurs at night it would not shock me at all again he was like 20 to 1 to go top 10 if you want to throw some flyers around like Yang's number got blown out sohan is still plus money but Jalen Williams, to me, he's someone that I think could go much higher than expected um, come draft night. Is there anybody who has a, a better track record with mock drafts than somebody else? Or is it a deal where, you know, this guy's locked into this team, this guy's locked into this team? Or is there one mock that you uh, that you kind of trust? You know, it's weird because usually it's Gavoni from ESPN Draft Express, of course. But, like, I don't know, he's had a weird vibe about him this year. He's talking in a lot of absolutes. And to me... Speaking in absolute terms with this draft specifically is kind of like a red flag to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like, again, like I'm maybe big braining this, but like Sam Vecini to me is super plugged in, really gives a ton of great info. He also like, he like is into sports betting. So like he kind of like gets the, you know, he's almost kind of gearing. Like he literally said in his latest mock, like, I'm sorry to break it to you for the sports betters, but like, I don't know who's going one. But like to like I respect that because that shows yeah. that there's uncertainty at the top and valuable. like it, that is valuable information where Gavoni's like I would be absolutely shocked if it's not Jabari Smith or like it's very likely it's going to be Jabari Smith at one like to me speaking at, like you could say like I've been told it's like like you know he's just speaking a lot of absolute right. so it's a little weird for me I think Vicini um Jeremy Wu from Sports Illustrated does great stuff and uh Jonathan Washerman from Bleacher Report all very plugged in guys uh, Washington came out with his latest mock early. He has Sohan going nine. I think the Spurs are a lot more variant than people are expecting. So if you want to take a shot there, I think that um, San Antonio, you could expect maybe a random guy like a Sohan, Diang, um, or Jalen Williams. Yeah, uh, some non-draft stuff. You're obviously, you're a big Nets fan. Um, this Kyrie stuff, I just think it's a game of chicken. I think he'll be back with the Nets one way or another. Where are you at here with the Nets offseason? Obviously, they need to add some size, some defense. Uh, just take it away any direction you want. You know, Do you agree that Kyrie's back? And what do the Nets need to do to put Durant in a situation where he's back again winning titles? I mean, I thought that this offseason was going to be like, not stressful like the regular season and postseason. Like, I was going to get like, I was going to get my sleep back. I was going to like relax a little bit, blow off some steam, get like, you know, some momentum into this offseason, get our first real training camp with Durant, Kyrie, hope Simmons makes it happen. Nope, not the, already stressing out about it if we're going to re-sign Kyrie. Um, I do think cooler heads prevail. Um, I was under the impression that this would be taken care of, so now that it's went back the other way is a little annoying. But ultimately, my pragmatic take is that there's no real other place for him to go, so I think he's going to end up going back. But at the same time, Okay, I get both sides. Kyrie wants his money. He wants to be protected, yada, yada. Like, I get that. It makes sense. You're the player. The Nets also, fully in their rights, have are allowed to be concerned that, Kyrie, like, are you going to show up to work? Like, why would we pay you five years, a quarter of a billion dollars when you play 30% of the games? Like, I totally get it. But at the same time, 
you cannot mess around with this and ruin this because if Kyrie goes, um, then Durant's going to go too. Like, you are going to blow this. There is no avenue to improve the roster. The only sort of move that would make me okay with this is if they got Anthony Davis, which, like, I understand is, like, I'm asking for the moon, but, like, that's it. And because I still think the Nets, like, I know it will it will sound funny and I'm obviously biased, but, like, they're not that far away. Like, with a real offseason and if you can make some moves around the margins, like, you are going to be back in the title hunt. Like, I know, like, they got swept by Boston, but, like, what if – Jason Tatum doesn't make that crazy layup and the Nets defense doesn't break down in game one. Like, what if the Nets don't blow a 17-point lead in game two? Like, I think Boston is being a little overrated. I think that the East is still there if the Nets could just figure their, you know, figure their stuff out. Um, ultimately, the best way to compete is to keep Kyrie. So I think that ultimately they end up getting Kyrie. I don't know what the number will be, though. You know, like, I, I couldn't tell you. I think ultimately, though, you need to bite the bullet and just pay the man. Like, you'll figure it out later. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the Knicks and the Lakers were the teams that were mentioned. But if you, unless you're getting Anthony Davis, which I don't think is going to happen, like, what are the I, Lakers I giving the you Knicks, that you want? So I'm pretty confident this just came straight from Kyrie's camp that, like, um, like they, uh, he must have not been happy with, like, an offer or something, like the impasse. Like, that's all from Kyrie. Like, at least all indications. And I think the Knicks were thrown in there as, like, a slight to the Nets. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't believe that the Knicks are actually a contender for him. I don't think the Clippers are either. I think the only actual option is the Lakers, and there's very limited, like, is Kyrie going to opt out and take the mid-level exception to go to the Lakers? Like, that just sounds ridiculous. And I think, like, his uh, brother Muzon tweet is, like, trolling. I think, ultimately, he's going to end up back with the Nets. There's just no avenues to improving. But at the same time, like, you don't want this type of vibe going into the offseason, you know? Like, that's not what you're looking for. You know, you're looking to get this back on track, not to have... Kyrie, you know, pulling more antics and stuff. So hopefully this is nipped in the bud ahead of free agency because, look, there's supposed to be a lot of activity at the top of the draft. Like, the Nets could get in on some of these deals. The Nets could be kind of a byproduct of a three-team deal or something. You know, get a Jeremy Grant, get a P.J. Washington. Those guys are rumored to be on the move. I love for the Nets to somehow find themselves in those discussions. Yeah, uh, a couple more before we get you out of here. Yeah. We mentioned how the league is about having a superstar. Well, the other part of the league is having enough assets for when the next superstar becomes unhappy <laughs> that you can sort of pull the trigger on them. Who is the next superstar that's unhappy? Because if you're someone like the Knicks or one of these teams that needs a superstar like a lot of them, like Luka's locked up, uh, you know, Jokic is locked up. It seems like the musical chairs have settled. Now it's the NBA. We're always sort of, uh, you know, one mm. tweet away from one of these guys wanting out. But who is the next superstar to want out? Would you count... Beal, Lillard, I mean, I don't know that those guys really move the needle. They're good players. They're not great players. Who's the next guy that, you know, is going to be unhappy and that wants out? I guess, like, I'll go, like, hot takey, right? Because, like, this is, like, a hypothetical. Like, Donovan Mitchell doesn't count, right? Like, because, like, he's kind yeah. of our, like. Fringy. Like, I guess off the top of my head, there's a world. Well, I guess, like, Durant is, like, kind of a step okay. away from being that. But, like, are we sure Devin Booker, uh, like, it's all peaches and cream long-term there. I know, first of all, he's still in a rookie deal. Um, seems like Aiden's on his way out. Chris Paul is going to retire. I love McCall Bridges. But, like, I could see that getting away from them. This isn't – it also is a team that um, I think – I don't even know what's going on with the Phoenix front, uh, ownership. But, like, if Starver stays – I don't even remember the latest. It's been so long since that report came out. But um, he's a – notoriously cheap owner 
or you're going to go through an ownership change. So like, I, I guess I'll take a shot and say Devin Booker is the next superstar to hit the market. Why not? Yeah. Or him or Cat. I know they're friends. Maybe those two want to team up somewhere. Good one. Those yeah. Make sense. That's a good one. I hadn't thought of Booker. That's a good one. Um, last one before we go. Futures odds for next year. Nothing. I like. I love looking at these. It's a fun, you know, thought exercise. But nothing really jumps out at me. I could just kind of read read them to you here. Uh, the odds at Bet Rivers. Warriors plus four fifty to win it all. Celtics plus six fifty. The Nets, who I know you're a Nets fan. I was saying all last year. It seemed like the Nets were six to one, seven to one all year. Then when the playoffs came, they were like ten to one. It made no sense. The Nets number all year to me. Uh, Clippers seven to one, Bucks seven to one. So a bunch of teams in that range. Suns ten to one, Heat down to ten to one, Mavericks twelve to one, Sixers fourteen to one, Nuggets are also fourteen to one. Then you get Grizzlies sixteen to one, Lakers were twenty two to one. Now they are eighteen to one. I would pass on that. Then there's a fall off. Pelicans, Raptors, Jazz all forty to one, fifty to one or higher. Again, you don't have to, uh, yeah. you know, play on these exact numbers. If you're anything within range, that's sort of. Because uh, the Celtics were 150 to one to win it all last year and came damn close. Anything that sort of jumps out as you look at the NBA futures? Yeah, uh, two teams, and I know you mentioned that you would pass on the Lakers, but if we're just talking about where the number's gonna go, <clears throat> like isn't this rock bottom for LeBron James? Like LeBron James averaged 30 a, 30 a game last year. Anthony Davis, you hope is healthy. Like if you're taking a shot, like you're right though. The league is in an interesting place where there's a lot of competition. I think that's more wide open than it's ever been. And we're talking about superstars being kind of settled in their places or they're just unhappy in their place and there's less movement. You're seeing a flatter landscape and the odds are reflecting that. You know, there's not a lot of value. But I think the Lakers are a team that could outperform that number. They're a team that, like, if you told me next year that the Lakers found a way to get rid of Russ – they took back whatever, but like just like role players and stuff. But they all bought in around LeBron and AD. Like I know they won a bubble championship. Like last year, like they were probably still going to go through the West as a seven seed. But then they obviously broke down. Like I don't know. It's just a big number. Like if you told me by the time the regular season rolls around, that's closer to like twelve or ten to one. Like that. Like if there's a number to bet now, it's probably the Lakers expecting a drop in the odds. But if we're talking like that shorter, um, more. I guess, like, condensed group at the top. Like, the Clippers jump out again. Like, to me, like, we know a lot of what these teams are going to be, and I wouldn't bet the Nets right now because I think it could only get worse for them, their odds. But the Clippers are a team, like, we don't know who they are, what they are, but they have a lot of really good role players. And, like, if Kawhi comes back, and I think these ACL injuries are kind of being – I don't want to say they've been solved. Like, we saw – Clay Thompson come back from one and then the Achilles. Like, we've seen guys make it back, okay? And Kawhi's had such a long layoff now. Um, maybe he comes back and he's just, like, playing at that MVP level once again. So, I think the Clippers are intriguing if you're looking to buy right now. But ultimately, like, I don't see what I'm dying to bet and, like, tie up so much bankroll in that. But, like, again, if you're looking long, I think the Lakers are where you got to put your money, if anything. I actually said the Lakers, too, the other day just because – it just, it's just a numbers play. It's not like I'm it's saying a numbers, playing, play. It's just a numbers play. It's a play on LeBron, and I guess the case on them would be, I don't know if they can get rid of Westbrook. I don't know if it's worth it to get rid of Westbrook to give up assets when he's going to be gone a year anyway. Maybe you just hope you get something out of him and trade him at the deadline. But I guess the case would be, you know what? You won a championship in the bubble. It went. You played until the middle of October. No offseason. Then you played again until June. 
this is a finally a chance here to recharge the batteries. They're rested. They're motivated. LeBron's here and he's done. Davis is here and he's done. You would need sort of a kick-ass season from both those guys, rested, motivated, and those guys weren't great even when they were on the floor together, but if you get them at their best and you can just kind of fill in the pieces around them and you know find some defense, find some shooting, it's not impossible they got to like a conference finals mm -hmm. uh, next year. Yeah, and one more point on what you mentioned about the short and offseason. That happened again this year. The Bucks and Suns both, I don't want to say flamed, the Suns flamed out. The Bucks, I wouldn't say flamed out per se because they got injured, but maybe that's a contributing factor. I know it wasn't as long as the bubble in the offseason wasn't as short, but... No, third week of July, yeah. Yeah, it went longer than expected. They had a shorter offseason. A uh, few of those guys played in the Olympics also. I don't necessarily subscribe to that stuff, but you saw a team like Boston get hot, a team that got eliminated in the first round. Golden State got knocked down the play-in game, like... Those teams were the healthiest by the end of it. Um, so I think it's definitely something to keep in mind that we're getting now a full offseason of teams kind of healing up. Reed, this was a lot of fun. Check out uh, check out Reed's work at BetSided. Hopefully, enjoy the draft. Hopefully, I have one wish for this draft. I don't know if we're going to get it. Can we clean up the coverage? I remember last year I was on vacation and I was doing other stuff and I was watching it. I love the draft. But this you basically have to follow it through Twitter because these the trades and this guy oh, got drafted Twitter. here and he's wearing a nugget tap, but he's really going to the Bucks and it's just it's very hard to keep up with the coverage of it. I don't know if there's a way to to solve it, but it's very sort of convoluted if you you know you're not really locked in, you know, especially on Twitter to who's going where and all these trade scenarios. Yeah, oh, it's so brutal. We got it. We got to do the trades live to get the right hats in the right place, or at least just say what's happening. Like, you know, you can't like give away like like a Luca wearing a Hawks hat. Like you can't. Do do that you just can't do that the poor like the poor non-twitter users are just saying they're like oh my god my team got luca this is great <laughs> mikhail bridges on the sixers yeah, yeah. The, the list goes on it's crazy no, Reed, appreciate, it, appreciate it man yeah let everyone know where they can find your work yeah you can follow me on twitter at reed wallach r-e-e-d-w-a-l-l-e-c-h and yeah check out all our work at betside and follow us on twitter subscribe to our youtube page uh we have daily bet slip every day 5 p.m eastern monday to friday you know giving our bets for the night uh, we got a great staff over there. So, yeah, uh, thanks again for having me on and check out all our work at Bedsided. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Reed Wallach. Enjoyed that conversation. Uh, getting excited for the draft now. It's within range. It's always a fun night. So, uh, looking forward to it. We'll see what the Knicks do. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more draft. We'll talk more baseball. Thank you for listening. This is the New York City Cash presented by Bet River Sportsbook.